0: Hi, I'm Jane Chadwick, I'm a geologist and an educator.
1: And I'm Shane Bergen, I'm also an educator um, and I'm a physicist. This is 101, it's a show about the ways we learn. In each episode of this podcast series, we look at different people learning new things and we use those as an excuse to get under the hood of learning and find out about what makes learning happen.
0: And in this episode, we're following Miriam Hart, a science communicator who's learning about design from Robert Farley, a graphic designer.
1: And so in this episode, Rob and Miriam are working on the designs for our podcast, which you can see on our website. And it's an amazing image about uh, that reflects how learning is messy. And it also reflects all the various things that people have learned in this show. So we're going to hear uh, Rob meet uh, Miriam and work on that uh, design. I should point out, however, that in any learning process, such as making this one, our name has changed over the last couple of months. So uh, you'll hear Rob and Miriam refer to our show as learning by heart Um, of course we're now 101 the ways we learn we'll also hear from Charlotte Please who's a philosopher of education she's a Fulbright scholar and she's based in Harvard
0: okay so here's what happened when Miriam visited Robert in his studio
2: My name is Miriam Hart. I'm a science communicator. I work on different science education projects.
3: My name is Robert Farley. I work for uh, a design studio called Post. And we work on different branding uh, stuff. So for small and large businesses, um, I worked with the guys in Sea of Physics on their branding and their installation pieces around Dublin. And we've worked on other things from like the 1916 Rising uh, identity for Ireland 2016 uh, and just like small fashion pieces and other sort of pieces like that.
2: Can I ask, you mentioned yeah. that you were working on the identity of City of Physics, what's what's an identity?
3: So an identity would be something that where people want to represent themselves so I guess the, An identity can be a very holistic point of view where it's the language somebody uses, to the colour, to their typography, to the illustration style. Like with something like City of Physics, it's very open and it can change. But then you might have another brand like... I don't know like board gosh who are very rigid and they have one color one system that they use every time so really it's just uh like people will look at like oh the logo is one part of it but like there's going to be multiple facets of uh identity pieces like it's funny because like let's say for city of physics like when shane came to us he was like we want a new logo and the first thing i would have presented to Shane was physics ideas and to be honest he got really scared because like that everyone expects when you come to a design studio for them to just show you here's 30 different logos Um, that's not what we do like what we did was we wanted to understand the problem and what Shane wanted to do with the project and for us to understand the project we had to do a huge amount of research in the idea of what physics is
2: where, where do you start
3: yeah so normally what we do is sit down with somebody have usually we try shut up and let them talk to us about what they want to do then we send them over a questionnaire and normally it covers the exact same stuff again but they get to actually spend a little bit more time to think and consider what they want to say about themselves and what is really important on their project so then we will take that and like we'll draw up a proposal where we like to outline what we call our processes um and what that normally entails is we break it down into four processes and like we put them down i think as discovery definition creation and implementation now i guess the problem is that is that's what clients want to see you know especially like someone coming from an educational point of background or a yeah. business point view like like design is not very tangible so yeah. so yeah, if, sure. yeah so it's like it's it a very hard it's like put
2: in within, within those parameters
3: going back to somebody with a pro a proposal that outlines one two three four stages and it's very regimented and we'll follow this exact timeline and you're guaranteed to have your a logo by this exact mm-hmm. day makes them feel comfortable when you also put a, a figure beside it yeah you know Absolutely. because we are also operating as a, a business yeah. which is important. Um but then like the way I always look at the actual design process is me trying to understand something as in-depth as possible.
2: So it involves a lot of research then on your side of things.
3: Yeah, like we do huge amount of research. Yeah. Like it, it's funny we I was asked to send over again a, a people asked a lot about processes and sketches like if you look at my notebook it's there's very little actual sketches Mm -hmm. it's more me writing notes Mm -hmm. um, and trying to or interviewing people or talking to people and writing little snippets of what they say because you get like with 10 years experience you get fairly good at doing the visual side of things Mm -hmm. and but it's doing research and finding those little nuggets or those little ideas that can carry a project in so where someone has to ask you a question and you peel away the first layer there's actually something behind what you're what you're doing you know and then it also engages like like the, the clients enjoy the conversation a lot more if i can turn around and say well like this is this idea or this is that idea, or and I can offer something to the actual project rather than just coming in at the end and doing a little poster for somebody. Of course, yeah. yeah.
2: So I think today I'm most looking forward to to seeing how you kind of go through that process of brainstorming around an idea and then knowing or or deciding what idea is best to stick with and can kind of have the most feasible process for creating an image around it. Uh, So, Robert, we have a whiteboard here. We might work with this to come up with a few ideas around the identity of this very podcast. So, would you like to help me out with that?
3: Oh, right, so when when I think about learning, um, Miriam, there's a lot of different things that kind of come to me straight away. Mm -hmm. Um, I know this is a little bit strange, but I would love if you could maybe give me some visual cues or even like feelings that you would think that when you think of learning that remind you of I guess as someone who's involved in education as yeah, well
2: sure Um, I suppose uh, not from a personal perspective there's things like the brain or light bulbs or um, uh, books I suppose they're always going to be an important one because Traditionally, that's what we learn from. But even nowadays, we work, We learn from a lot of other sources. So, um, we could maybe incorporate technology into that. Um, and
3: and what kind of technology? What specifically?
2: <clears throat> computers. Um, if it's if it's from a scientific perspective, it could be, you know, a, a microscope or or lab equipment or something like that. Um, and
3: so when you say like you go microscope um, so straight away that means to me that this podcast is about science would that Mm -hmm. be correct?
2: actually that's a good point science will be part of it but it won't be part of the entire series there'll be a good mix of different topics within it
3: alright so is there any other items like so like you have books you have microscopes you have computers
2: anything else that comes to mind? Um, I also think Personally, I would usually think of um, people coming together, sitting together, either as a group, in a circle or a way that they can be, information can be shared with them, but they can also share information with each other. Um, Usually from a group learning perspective, it's, it's a really good approach to it.
3: So, do you you see the slight difference between the two of those elements? Yeah. Where one is an actual physical, Mm -hmm. visual object that everybody might be able to associate, while one is a little bit uh, more of a concept. Where that, if we were going to visually represent people sitting together or a group, like for a small podcast like if you think about like if you look at your phone and it's only probably about 60 pixels by 60 pixels Mm -hmm. you know it's a very small space so if we were going to do group learning we might have to turn that into some kind of icon and represent it but as a concept it's really nice because if we look at this podcast as well like it is about a group of people coming together Mm -hmm. and what ties them together is actually learning something, which is a, a lovely idea and a foundation of something that we could grow upon.
2: Great, that sounds fantastic, yeah, I agree.
3: Like, and, and another thing, like, what's great about group learning, like, is, is it a, it's a feeling, okay? Do you have any other feelings around learning, like, um, what, what do you have to do to learn something?
2: Um, I think within group learning as well, you can look at the idea of sharing ideas, um, sharing knowledge. And uh, you've mentioned before that there can be um, a feeling involved within certain identities that you create, maybe an emotion. And I think with learning, it for me anyway, it's often very empowering. So something that makes you feel stronger, something that makes you feel educated, um, that you have more power to be part of a conversation about something completely new.
3: If we were to look at it, the actual actions somebody is taking or the process they are going through when they are learning something, can you think about like specific areas? <clears throat> like what do people have to do in order for something to become a part of them?
2: Um, I suppose um, from my perspective, if it was, Maybe when I was in school and learning a new thing or studying a new thing, it was almost like a maybe like a wall. Like you're you're adding bricks to it. Each thing you learn is is building upon what you already know and making your knowledge bigger and vaster.
3: And um, sorry, with that, like if you think about like that concept of building upon something that you already know, so you have a foundation and you're building upon yeah. it. Um, is there anything other, anything else surrounding? learning that you're building upon other people's knowledge, that somebody else is giving you their base and you are progressing that. Like that that's a kind of nice concept as well.
2: Sure, yeah, I suppose uh like if you're if you're sharing bricks from a wall or something like that, that you're um you're you're sharing sharing or swapping different bits of the knowledge that you have. Um, that's, 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 that's. So in that way, you can get a, a new piece of knowledge, and, and so can they.
3: I think empowering is a lovely word. Yeah. You know. Right. So, right. we have our little guy mm-hmm. on a mountain, mm-hmm. right? And we have empowering, and we've tried and yeah. failed. Uh, is there anything else then? you think would with that in mind is you could go from here
2: I think uh, for some people sometimes learning a new thing can almost create a new version of themselves yeah yeah so uh, you know like a change or makeover or something but just it can almost change them as a person
3: in for what like um, when you think it's somebody changing for the.
2: For the it, well, it's for the better. For the better. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay.
3: um, so let's let's just stick around that idea for a second, sure. okay? Yeah. So, right, you can explain to me in person.
2: Yeah.
3: How somebody would change, for the better.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: How could we do that visually?
2: Um, whether it's it could be them, it could be somebody growing. Um,
3: it's, what else can it. What um. Think about science. What is there? Anything around science? Like, is there any visuals around science? Like, uh, like you earlier, you went to bricks. Like, I'm made up of bricks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there any other pieces? Are we made up of anything else? Is there like
2: yeah? So cells. If cells you're. If you're
3: growing physically you're making more cells in your body yep. and then um, we could go jigsaw yes like a jigsaw yeah. so I, don't know. I will always spell the easiest words wrong for, I think it's, <laughs> kind of like it, it's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so jigsaw that's something that we're, we like like oh, you have space for more, you know you could replace uh, some bits or add two yeah. pieces. Yeah. Like, I guess we're like we're trying to like sometimes you might feel like there's something missing, so that could be yeah
2: an, absolutely an added piece. yeah
3: um what is there anything else?
2: I suppose maybe on the jigsaw side of things, it's almost it can be like you've found something that maybe you didn't know would become a good a, part, a good part of you.
3: Yeah, that's lovely. That's a really nice idea that you you found something. Like, you know, one of the the things that, like, come to my mind is even, um, do you ever, like, make model figures or action Mm. men or something that, you know, and, like, you have different sets, so they could be in different environments and, like, they can completely change out based on those pieces, you know, so, like, it could be almost like a model. Or do you ever see those um those different sliders where yeah. you have someone's face or someone's body? Sure, yeah. So you can have three pieces, the top, the middle. the middle yeah, and the bottom. And so if you think about that visually that could easily be like a little carousel of someone wearing a, a biker's helmet mm-hmm. or someone wearing a like in. Sombrero Sombrero, I was gonna
2: say <laughs> Why not? I was, <laughs> I was talking I couldn't all
3: I could think of them was saying speedos That's
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally
3: the only thing that could come out with <laughs> uh, Depends on what yeah,
2: you know, type of it is
3: But like in their hands they could have a, <laughs> They could have a surfboard They could have a surfboard yeah. Yeah. Or a guitar a, sure absolutely so like visually like that could be really interesting having this changing carousel yeah Um, and then like you could like if we were thinking about this as a campaign Mm. as something how could we engage the public you could get different people to send in different sections you know and then you could make up loads of different people using loads of these three pieces or you could make up a little game online where someone can go along and switch out different pieces and post them to the internet and say you know become a new you so yeah like cheesy as hell but we'll work on you. That is good. (laughs) You know so so this is like so again like this comes back to not just thinking about that little logo, sure. but actually thinking about an an idea that is campaignable yeah. and can expand, be a, uh, a little bit further. Yeah. Not worrying about, let's say, see the way you were like, oh, the wall, like. Yeah, I know.
2: You're like that's a visual. Yeah. No, like, I know. I yeah, so to the, make like an analogy.
3: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Don't don't forget about the analogy okay. for a second. Like you know, like things where, I'm. Looking at you know, if I'm turning around and going, Well, we can have post-its, you know, mm-hmm. like a post-it, mm-hmm. okay, like that's the one thing, like pencil, you know, yeah. like if you get like pen, sure, like paper, you know, like, like they're on this side, really simple things that kind of represent stuff, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and we can get them out. Yeah. While if you then try apply that over on this side, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so if you're thinking you're going, okay, for this, I'm going to do a wall. I need to have this visual of this wall. What's the wall going to you be? You can like?
2: kind of um put yourself in a bit of a corner yeah. and focus too much on an idea that's not the best way to go. Yeah, and yeah, so at
3: this stage, we're not even, we're not even worrying about what those ideas sure. are. Yeah. Like, well, let's say if you have to learn like to drive okay Mm -hmm. what do you have to do to learn to drive drive you don't drive okay to to cycle okay let's just go back here or to swim it doesn't it doesn't matter what the process is or what the subject matter is there is something that you do
2: within that process yeah so so i
3: want you to think about like so at the start Are you good
2: no you're you're well you're not always bad but you you have a much lower level of knowledge at the beginning but I suppose I kind of think of it as at the beginning of anything that you're learning you think about what you do know and what you need to add to that
3: yeah but how do you add to it so think about your okay I can't cycle yeah so my, my base level is I've never gotten on a bike you know what I mean so like when you were saying you were like oh my base I'm going to add to that mm-hmm. uh, currently your base level is walking okay okay so you get a bike so you get a bike yeah. and what do you do get on the bike get on the bike okay so but then what do you do
2: um you try and and balance on it try and try move the pedals try not to fall off you try, yeah, you try, yeah,
3: but uh, what happens wh- when you try at uh, something that you've never done before?
2: you might fail, fail,
3: right like right. so like that's where it starts to get really interesting, where you're kind of going, okay, I'm trying something, mm-hmm. I'm failing, mm-hmm. and then there's also repetition, yeah, which is well, when you're trying it's something Trying again, yeah, so, but there's also practice, yeah. Yeah, so that's when I, when I start to go to, like, thinking about this, I think about practice, mm-hmm. you know, so that somebody, to learn something, they need to approach it in a really open way and not have that fear sure. of failure. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so, like, I think when we think about this as a holistic project and we think about the podcast as a visual key things that if we could get across is that it doesn't matter if you're cycling like rock climbing that the first thing you need to do is try mm-hmm. and then you need to practice mm-hmm. and that will lead to
2: success yeah yeah you yeah, know? yeah.
3: That, so i don't know does that make when you think about that right yes is that relatable to you
2: yes definitely
3: like that process
2: yeah I think that it it definitely resonates because when you want to learn something new, you've got to give it a try. Even if you fail, you kind of have to keep at it and and remain um, enthusiastic about it, practice it, try more times, and eventually you'll be able to master the the topic that you're working on. Yeah.
3: And like, so when we think about, okay, you can go into, I don't know, who's that quote by that is like, try, try, try again. Samuel Beckett. Samuel Beckett. Okay. you know, one thing that we could get to at the end of this process, mm. we could have this little icon, and that's the quote on the front of the cool. icon. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. could be it, but we wanna go one step further. Okay, okay? right. Because that's what is expected of us. Right, Right. Yeah. That would be the base level conclusion okay. that anybody can come up with. Okay. okay, okay. So, if you can think about a different visual or a different idea or a different concept, like around that same subject is there anything that might come to mind
2: mm, I think if it would, well if it were a step up from try fail and, and practice um, not just knowing a thing but almost excelling in it and being almost a an expert or a, a hero within that whether you've got your whether you're king or queen of whatever the topic is okay something so like king that. or
3: queen so let's think about king or queen yeah so they are on top of what
2: the world
3: cool let's say right that's that's really interesting so like straight away you turn around they're on top of the world okay so we have a little guy and he is delighted with himself because he has conquered the world yes okay yeah. now like to me, that's already a beautiful little visual. Mm. Like, we go off, we find an illustrator mm-hmm. to convey that. We can replace, like, it could be the world, it could be steps, yep. like, it could be a little bicycle, yep. you know, like, but each time that little person could have that sense of, woohoo, yeah. I've done achievement. it. Achievement. Achievement, yeah. you Absolutely. know? And what's really nice about giving that sense of achievement is, that everybody can relate to that, Mm. you know? And what is really important also is when you think about when we're not around to turn around to somebody and go, try, fail, practice, and you'll succeed. If we just have this little single image that people can go, oh, look at that little guy. He's so cute. He made it to the top of the mountain and he (laughs) succeeded, you know? So that's like, so all we have to try work into this illustration or this idea is like, that concept of trying, failing, practicing and succeeding, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it doesn't mean we have to explicitly say...
2: Of course, yeah.
3: yeah, sure. You see when you're going brain, light bulbs, books, yeah, computers, yeah, yeah, mic yeah. you know? And then it's like, actually, like, a guy on the top of a mountain, yeah. like, achieving something. Yeah. And do you understand where I'm talking about the difference between the two of them?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, well, when you've got a person that's going to be more relatable or maybe more of a pull for someone who's who's looking at it and saying, "Mm, what's that about? Um, But even just the fact that it can be applied to those different topics, depending on what each person is learning about is really, really great.
3: The most important thing around this is iteration. Yeah. And you keep going. Mm and you keep going, and you keep going, and then you present it back to somebody, and then they hate it, and then that either makes what you feel was good better, or makes it worse. Yeah. You know, so, now often that isn't the case, but like we do have to, like there's a big part of here of, let's say you have your idea of that little guy on the top of the mountain, and then we go back to Shane and go, oh my God, Shane, me and Miriam have come up with this amazing idea. You're gonna absolutely love it. And then you go, if you just show him this guy on a mountain, he's gonna be like, well, I wanted a light bulb. (laughs) So what we then need to turn around and go, we need to, when we take, let's say we take all this stuff, we plan out a presentation and we actually walked them through the steps that we went through. Okay, yeah. We'd be like, okay, we looked at brains, we looked at light bulbs, we looked at books, but then what we realized, learning is all about empowering somebody. Mm-hmm. But how do they get to that feeling of empowerment? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing they need to do is go and try, then they need to fail, they yeah. Then they need to practice, and then they eventually succeed. Yeah. But you also, like that's one of the most important aspects of the design process, is convincing somebody or tricking them into using your idea. Once we show that to a client and uh, kind of convince them um, to sign it off, we go into what we would call our implementation stage. So let's say if we were looking at that illustration and we have done a sketch of the illustration and we kind of go, well, actually, we're not the greatest illustrators in the world. We're really good at typography, but you know who's good this illustrator over here in Mm -hmm. Dublin and we might go speak to them and get them involved and get them to do a different process. And then we would make a big list of where this is going to live and come up with like so if it's going to be in twitter if it's going to be on facebook Mm -hmm. if we're going to do postcards for it we would try expand this out on all those different elements so we can see how the brand actually works in real life Mm -hmm. and then again we go back speak with the client and ask them to see what they want to do we might pick one or two different campaign ideas and then it goes into production where you're working with printers or like you're working with a developer to build a website and it just it's then it's all about bringing it to life and just managing the whole delivery stage of the project which is probably the majority of the work after like the idea and design process is probably around 20% of the job and everything else is about showing it, presenting it, getting it signed off from the clients and then executing it at a really high standard. So when it's out in the world, everything has been considered.
2: Today I met Robert who's a graphic designer. I am a science communicator and we work together to come up with a visual for this particular podcast which focuses on learning new things. I learned. I learned that it's really advantageous to not just go for the the first idea that you have, the first image that springs to mind around trying to uh, communicate something visually. It's often really good to delve a little deeper, to think about emotionally what it represents and maybe how other people can relate to that process of learning about a new thing.
3: So I asked Miriam to... Uh just like spitball a few ideas and we tried to break them up into literal practical visual items such as like the brain light bulbs books microscopes pencils pen paper like a lot of the initial things that you'll think of when you think of teaching or learning and then we also looked at some more conceptual ideas where it was like sitting with Group learning, sharing, knowledge, empowerment, nervousness, you know, everything that you might feel when you're trying to learn something. And then we try to find some way to compile or bring them together through this idea of like the feeling that you get and the practical process that you go through when you are approach something new which is like the first thing you have to do is get on the bike and you have to try and like you're going to fail and you might fall off but of course as the saying goes you have to get back on the bike and you have to practice and then when you learn how to do something you're obviously going to get that sense of achievement and that's where you get that whole idea of empowerment back in is actually when you've succeeded at something so that's where we came up with this little idea of it maybe a man on a mountain or like a little man on a bike and like obviously he has succeeded because he's practiced and went through a certain amount of failure to 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 achieve something
2: focusing on the kind of next level of it and the experience of learning something new and the emotion behind learning something new is is um just a more in-depth way of dealing with representing the topic and um, making it more compelling and more relatable for, for other people.
1: Wow, it sounds like they've done amazing work there. Um, and well, I suppose the proof of the pudding is in the, the cool work that we now see for our, uh, our podcast identity. But it took me as I was listening to the two guys there uh, that... It's slow work um, and slowness is an idea that keeps popping up in, in my research around education, that learning is slow and that you need to give it time. Um, you need to have time to think and you need to have time to go away from it and come back to it and kind of this ebb and flow with learning. It's why I always think that a crash course just never works, right? Uh, because like you need to see it from different sides. You need to like come at it from a different mindset on a different day. and Sleep on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Sleep yeah. on it. Yeah. So yeah. this this sense of slow learning and Rob nails it when he talks about that, about how you need to get to know the the people you're working with and need to get into their heads a little bit and reflect back what they're saying to you with uh, a visual.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that that concept of time came through an awful lot and that, that is something that you... Um, that you really need to to appreciate when you're in when you're trying to learn something that you need to give it that time. But also, you you were touching on that there, the context as well. You mm. know, Rob in in taking that time, he gets into their heads and he finds out all sorts of um, contextual information about. What he's working on and that is so so important as well for learning and using the kind of the word context in a, in a really big sense there so it's not just about where you are and what you're doing but it's about the kind of things that you bring to the table when you're when you're when Rob's speaking with somebody he's he wants to know all about their their background and kind of what kind of information they have their experiences and all of that will feed into what he's doing and it's just an interesting process Um, I think it's one that's really it's really grounded in the design process, and mm. I think it comes through a huge amount.
1: You're right. Like that, Rob does an awful lot of homework first. Yep. Uh, he talks to, uh, he talked talk to me, he talked to you, we talked to our producers in bureau about why we came to uh, the ideas we wanted to talk about in our podcast. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gets into our head, and he asks us then to interrogate those ideas so that he can he can kind of figure out what we're thinking, um, and. That's important in education all the time. I think of like the fact that when you teach a group of people, you are not teaching like empty vessels that are going to no. be filled up with the same amount of knowledge because they all have come from different places. Yeah. And recognising that complexity and those contexts is really important. Yeah, um, It's also important to think about where it goes, right? So that like um, the context helps you with the direction of your learning right so mm-hmm. you, we've all learned to add and to multiply and to subtract and do basic functions in maths but that really only becomes grounded knowledge when you have to use it for the first time mm-hmm. and maybe when you're presented with a situation where it's tricky and you might have to do a few of them mm-hmm. in sequence and you're confronted with a situation where you're like oh how do I do this and you have to try it maybe with help mm-hmm. and then check your right and go back to all those processes and then you have a sense as well I'm confident in doing that now right mm-hmm. um, and that goes for loads of learning
0: absolutely absolutely and I think um, you know obviously I, I, as a scientist myself and, and you've got a scientific background it's really really interesting to hear you um, Rob, talking about design as a process, as a way of, of both uncovering new information and as a way of, of gaining knowledge about the world. Um, often, you know, a lot of people can think about science as being the way we find out new things, but design has a whole, um, and the arts have has a whole suite of, of, of tools and, and ways of working um, that can do, do that too. And it's a really powerful way of, of, of uncovering new information. Um, and I've been lucky enough to, to work in a place where those two things both science and, and the arts and design are uh, three things <laughs> were brought together <laughs> um, uh, in, in really interesting ways and I had the, the good fortune to work on a, on a college course actually that that expressly set out to do that. It was called the Idea Translation Lab. And it was a course for undergraduate students where we brought um, students from all sorts of different disciplines from across a university and and beyond. So we brought students from the National um, College of Art and Design here in Dublin, together with students from, you know, the arts and and humanities in Trinity and students from the sciences in Trinity. And we got them to work um, using design Tools and design processes to solve and come up with new ideas for for big world problems. So things like climate change and um, you know water uh, resources and um, kind of where we're going with uh, with things like new technologies like bioengineering and that sort of thing. And the the learning that happened was amazing because it wasn't just it wasn't just what we were giving um, mm. running the course. A huge amount of the learning came from that diversity in the classroom, from students who were coming from totally different. Um, learning cultures and kind of learning identities you know people who would consider themselves you know science students or art students or artists or designers sharing knowledge and sharing ways of learning with each other that they would not have seen otherwise and that really makes me think an awful lot about what you were talking about there about empty vessels and and, and what people bring in with them so much of what learning is is, is an interplay between The teacher and the learner but also the the kind of the community of learners as well and that's so 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 important.
1: Yeah absolutely and as as you're saying that it it makes me think about loads of ideas in education that education is knowledge is not just something that's acquired right you don't just go to college and download. No
0: that's that's just information.
1: Yeah yeah. exactly it's just information and if it were that then which a lot of people would think it is right Mm -hmm. and if it were that then we would just learn everything from Google. Right. Uh, Then also you're really, it's really fair to say that science doesn't have a monopoly on ways of knowing and there are lots of things that science just hasn't got an opinion on. Mm. So like I would say, how do you know if somebody likes you? right? Like, can you use science <laughs> to help you there? And you could, well, science can probably tell you certain like, proxies, like, you know, whether like eye contact and pulse and all those things, but they're not direct measurements of it. Your mm-hmm. emotional intuition is probably far more in tune with mm-hmm. that reality than anything science could tell you. I'm not trying to well, I am trying to limit science there, um, and I, I think that knowing the limits of science is actually a very scientific thing to do sure. because it uh, it tells you then about confidence that you have in things you uh, you can know using the scientific method. And this mm-hmm. sort of thinking was right at the very beginning of of one hundred and one um, the ways we learn. I I felt really uncomfortable about one discipline in the academy having a monopoly mm-hmm. on um, how we learn things mm-hmm. and uh, like biology still doesn't know how the mind ultimately works right mm-hmm. and so for us then to to go a step further and say right one of the key functions of the mind is how we learn we don't know fully how the mind learns things mm-hmm. or the human learns things and so there isn't one area of the university that has monopoly on that Absolutely. Um, and so we had to borrow ideas and things like psychology and neuroscience and genetics and um, and even philosophy, actually. And um, there are philosophies of learning. And um, as you talk about context, I think of Charlotte Blees who's a philosopher of education, and she's um, on at the moment, she's a Fulbright scholar in uh, in Harvard. And she in her research talks about this an awful lot. So I thought it'd be an interesting uh, idea to give her a call. and My ask name her is
4: Charlotte Blees. I am a research fellow at Harvard Medical School where I work in on medical education and the philosophy of medicine. And my thoughts on the context of education, what we, what we mean by context, I think, is really important starting point. So context in one way, one sense, is a multi-level. it's, it's multifactorial. So we could think of context as meaning what is the, the history in which thinking of ourselves as learners in a, in a, a continuity with, with history. So there's a historical legacy to what educationalists or what what people think we ought to learn. So that can influence the curriculum. It can also obviously informs what is the state of knowledge that we now have. So an historical perspective is is, um, one contextual factor. I think other contextual factors in the kind of in the present include factors such as our social and cultural factors. So they include things like um, uh, you know, social environment as well. Um, we, we might drill down even further to say um, the, the micro-environment of, say, our, our, our family background or our home life, socioeconomic status, um, what are the expectations of our family, um, what are the stress levels as well in our, in our uh, own personal life that can influence, are contextual factors that uh, can influence learning. Um, we can also think about biological factors to get and we might say that's not really a contextual factor, but it's it's a, an influencing factor, and again we could say, well, is is a contextual factor in the environment or is it somehow in our bodies, which is interacting with the environment? We might say one contextual factor is have you eaten breakfast this morning? Because that will influence your, your attention span, um, and also contextual factors thinking about even, you know genetic dispositions, we're all different, um, and how that interacts with the environment to, to create, create, in a sense, a context, the context of learning. Um, but I think it's uh, other factors, we tend to think of context as the scenario in the classroom. So, in a sense, what are the factors that can influence people when they're learning uh, together? Um, what can we do to influence or enhance the learning experience within the classroom because there are many of those factors that perhaps educationalists um, or even as individuals that we can't really do very much about, certainly um, at an individual level it can be quite difficult to to alter cultural factors, uh, stress levels and so on. So um, I think there are a few things we can think about here in the context of a classroom. There's the instructor, so the instructor or the teacher uh, can the expectations that the instructor has of the learners in the classroom can influence um, performance. There's lots of research to show that, and that's called the uh, often referred to as the Pygmalion effect. So, if the teacher um, believe, has higher expectations of the learners, um, or that can be through verbal. Cues, or through non-verbal cues, perhaps they're paying attention to, or or giving um, positive nods or encouragement to certain individuals in the classroom more than others. That can elicit higher level of performance, and that's that that seems to be quite a strong effect too. Interesting that also has a, um, leads to questions about justice as well, because um, how we interact in the classroom can can um, influence our performance. So if the instructor can create the kind of micro-culture that, inc- that elevates certain values in the classroom, values that we perhaps, that are they're very often missing in a learning c- culture, and they include um, asking questions, asking questions of the instructor, um, uh, values whereby it's okay not to have the answer. Um, it's okay to be in a state of confusion or Uh, So we can say that humility um, about not knowing is perfectly acceptable. Um, And we can also say that the the microculture can be um, enhanced, and performance can in fact be enhanced if there's more diversity in the classroom. And that can include uh, social diversity, it includes, you know, gender diversity it includes uh, racial ethnic diversity lots of research to show that the more diversity we have in, among our co-learners the more uh, this boosts intellectual uh, performance um, and, and creativity as well so it promote it, it lots of studies to show that um, we tend to re-examine the facts more we scrutinize each other better and um, we take the perspective of other people if people are not like us so um a homo- hom- uh, an environment which is sort of homogeneous is not is, is safer in many ways um, we like to be around people who are like us but if we really care about learning we should be a little uncomfortable and sometimes that discomfort comes from um, a more rich and, and more diverse um, uh, learning environment including um, how our co learners look and sound, and that can push us to, to think um, harder, um, more creatively, and to come up with more innovative solutions. So um, that includes in the learning environment in workplaces as well.
0: So that was so interesting. And um, one of the things that really jumped out at me from from what Charlotte said there was this this idea of the Pygmalion effect, and that the expectations of the teacher um, have a huge impact on the performance of the learner. And we can hear it um, in this lesson with Rob and Miriam. Rob, you know, um, Miriam starts out with some ideas, and Rob doesn't take her first answer as the answer. He pushes her, and he keeps he keeps expecting more from her. Um, and at times, Miriam sounds like she's having a hard time, but he keeps going with it and in a very supportive way. And it brings them to another place. They come up with an awful lot more ideas. Um, and I think that's really, in my experience anyway, of, of seeing the, the, the design process kind of played out that is hugely important that you don't just stop at the first idea that you just that you keep going.
1: Yeah, it's not an interrogated idea, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same is exactly true, you know, when you're solving problems in maths or physics, is that you think, well, that's the simplest idea and you have to kind of come at it then from lots of different, ang- ang- from lots of different angles mm-hmm. to see how confident you are with that approach. Um, I remember somebody telling me that the worst enemy of an excellent idea is a good idea because <laughs> you'll just go, well, that's fine. And we'll stop, the, yeah. you know, Asher, it's grand approach yeah. as opposed to like, are we confident with it? Um, how is do this? do the best get there? thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and like I I think it's no harm for Rob to push Miriam uh as he has done and Charlotte talks about it uh, in her quip, uh, clip there where she says that sometimes Ernie makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be because of the opinions of other people in the room mm-hmm. and how they differ to yours or it might be that like your teacher says that's good but you know maybe that could be better and mm-hmm. you know here's how we might move together for it to be better. Mm-hmm. I think the worst thing you can do to say to somebody is like no that's just rubbish.
0: Yeah, because, well, that, that, a straight, no, that's terrible, or a straight, yes, that's fine, or or even worse, um, yes, that's perfect. Like, I think one of the most dangerous things you can do with a student is give them an A, you know, because that, that implies that there's nowhere else to go, yeah. um, uh, you know, and growing up. Getting A's sometimes was tricky. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> yeah, we call it assessment for learning when mm-hmm. we teach so that like you can use assessment as a tool to improve learning as opposed to an aim at the end of learning. Absolutely,
0: a target, yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and like I, we know in Ireland that there's a huge cultural mindset Uh, that's around the state exams, right? You know, Mm -hmm. that everyone's in there to get the points they need to go to college, which then will put them onto some other track. And it's always this next step, next step. Mm. And assessment for learning, which is in the new uh, specifications at the early stages of second level, Mm -hmm. it really challenges that. And I, I have seen in my own profession that that is... It's a huge challenge, but it is welcomed by both students and teachers when sure. they have the opportunity to talk about it and to understand what that means. Absolutely, um, And so it changes the mindset from education as a means to an end rather mm-hmm. than like, you know, education as living. Mm-hmm. You know, you can like you can and you can learn an awful lot about yourself and whatever you're interested in by uh, embracing the education process and seeing assessment as completely central to that you know and so it's it's like what Rob's doing right when yeah. he's he's talking to Miriam in real time about how she's getting on and he's challenging her in an appropriate way to do better
0: yeah it's work yeah
1: yeah it's like. really hard work <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like when you're brainstorming um which is a kind of managerialism term but like I'm trying to think of a proper education term for it, but we know what brainstorming is. You're sitting around and you're throwing ideas around rather than mm-hmm. just throwing out all your first ideas and going with the person who's the loudest voice mm-hmm. is that you have a process to digest those, go away and think about them, have that time again mm-hmm. and come back and then think how you move forward. And maybe people who work in design have a particular skill at being able to do that.
0: They've been trained. Yeah,
1: they, Yeah, it's part of their own education. Exactly. Absolutely. It's yeah. part of
0: their learning and their kind of their culture of how, of how they approach problem. So something that really jumped out at me, I think it was something that Rob um, said at one point was it was talking about humility mm-hmm. um, and this, uh, you know, he comes to the table. He works with so many diverse, different types of people who come from so many different types of areas and, and backgrounds. He couldn't possibly know everything about all of those things. So he comes with this humility that he doesn't know, but he's going to learn. And I think that is especially spectacular thing to take away from this lesson that that humility and not knowing that's that's perfectly acceptable not only perfectly acceptable it's something that you that's an asset it can be really useful um acknowledging that you don't know and figuring out ways to actually find find that knowledge and and finding experts to, to to take that knowledge from
1: yeah, exactly. And not trying to pretend to be expert at everything yourself. No. Um, no, because you'll never learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people would think that you are expert at everything and so will not approach you. Yeah. So I, I think he has an excellent combination there of this humility, an openness to learn about um, topics and then an ability to connect that to thing to a thing that he's really good at himself. Mm-hmm. And it must make him a really effective learner.
0: I would say so. And yeah. then
1: in turn a good teacher. Absolutely. So thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in listening to other podcasts that we've made in this series, you can find us in lots and lots of places. We're 101 The Podcast on social media. We're also at 101thepodcast.com. And you can find us on podcast apps by searching 101 The Ways We Learn.
0: And before you go, we'd also like to ask you for a little favor, um, to t- if you like the show, just to take a little bit of time to rate or review us on any platform that you find your podcasts. It helps us and it also helps other people who might want to find out about what we're doing. Yeah. Tell everyone. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Calm down. Um, so we've been uh, Jane Chadwick and Shane Bergen. One is produced by Bureau and is supported by Science Foundation Ireland.
2: Hi, I'm Margie McCarthy. I'm the Head of Education and Public Engagement with Science Foundation Ireland. And we're really happy to support 101 because there's a science behind everything. And there's a science behind learning as well.